What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I'm your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me, as always, is the man who's no longer able to work out in his garage, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. I should be sad for that, but I'm kind of grateful that it doesn't sit out there anymore. Yeah, we had a weight bench that what we bought uh, must have been 20 years ago, and it had been in the corner of a nice spot in the garage that I could work out if I chose to, and I chose not to. And so it's that. Well, thanks to you and your and your sales skills, you were able to sell it, and I loaded it in this this person's truck, and off off they went with it. So we're we're free of some clutter, but uh, now I have even a greater excuse not to work out. I don't have a machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and not only that, you freed up a space in the garage where we can move other clutter around and into. Now, it's funny with that particular weight bench. I think we've tried a couple of other times that we thought, yeah, we're not using it. We should get rid of it. But then we think, no, no, well, let's let's get back into using it. And, and it's it's works great. It was in great condition. And then we realized that, you know, a few months, maybe even a few years had gone by and it's like, well, we're not using this. We should get rid of it. Well, it's time came and and we were able to finally let things go. You know, it's funny how you hold on to things in life, thinking that, no, it's still good. I'm going to use it, but we never do. And that it's good for us to go through these things and through whatever it is in our lives, those things that we hold on to. And well, get get rid of it it's time to move on to the next best thing and boy so now that we've made this room what great things we'll be able to open up to in the future that's such an optimistic way to put it yeah because <laughs> you know it's uh it it sits out there as something that i should do and you know i think about as i work with people to encourage them and myself to continually develop develop in all the things that you experience in life, including most especially your spiritual life. But but then I look at, at the way, <laughs> you know, I am getting older and maybe I shouldn't be so hard on myself. So where is my mercy that to let let things go that I would hope to do and, and recognize I've had a great life that has come in in between that time I bought that bench and to where I ended up selling. I got a lot of good use out of that bench. But, uh, but yeah, so letting things go, is part of uh, certainly a, a lived experience as a, as a family. And we have more family coming in with our grandchild in, in the near future. So we were thinking ahead to make some room. And the first thing to go is my weight bench. <laughs> oh, and how easy it is to let go. And for our listeners, that is our first announcement. We found out and have now have wonderful confirmation that our daughter, who was recently married, well, in just a few more months at the end of summer, we will be welcoming her daughter and our first grandchild. And what an amazing feeling that is. And in fact, when I told my own mother that, well, not only was I going to be a grandmother, she was going to become a great grandmother. The first thing she told me was, oh, Brenda, now you're going to know how I felt and how wonderful it is to have grandchildren. 
It's God's blessing for sure on us. And so it's a springtime in the household and it's a springtime in our family, which meant it was time to do some spring cleaning. And it's just wonderful to be able to be a part of joy that springtime brings us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and as our family begins to grow, we uh, we move into a different uh, time in our life. So I look at that weight, weight bench, just keep not to belabor the point, but, you know, there was a time in my life when I was striving to, to be in shape and to, to, to have the strength. And as I look at the stuff that we have to move around into that space, I am much more wise than I used to be <laughs> in that I will, I now have uh, son-in-laws who I will incorporate their strength to move boxes and material into that nippy space because I don't want to blow my back out. So that's the wisdom and the change in my life. Right? Oh, and it sounds like you are using the gift of the Holy Spirit of good prudence for sure. Well, we do have a wonderful show ahead for you. No special guest because, wow, what a wonderful time of season we are in the life of the church, having come off of the Easter Triduum, the celebrations of Easter. Well, and we move into this beautiful time of divine mercy coming up. So we're going to go into a break right now. And when we come back, please stay with us. Well, we're going to be talking about all of the things that happen throughout the Easter Triduum. And as we look forward to God's mercy poured out upon us, we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh, I can't take my eyes off of it. Moving so phenomenally. Come on, like the way we rock it. So don't stop. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak, author of Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. I love the scripture verse. It is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Every surfer knows that you can't surf without a wave. And you know, when a surfer is out surfing and they ride an incredible wave, they come to the beach, people are cheering perhaps, they'll run up to the surfer and they'll go, that was a great wave. You will never hear anybody say to a surfer, wow, you really were amazing on that wave. That was an incredible wave. They will say that was a great wave. That's the way we as Christians need to live our lives. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit will send His power, that the Holy Spirit will send a wave of the Spirit that we can ride. We can't do it on our own might. We can't do it on our own strength. We need to do it only by the power of the Lord. Anything less than that isn't really even worth doing. And then when we ride that wave, the perfect wave that a surfer can ride is when they drop into a hollow wave and it throws over the top of them and they're covered over and they're riding in the the vortex of that wave, totally hidden in the tube of that wave. That's what we want to be as Christians. We want to be hidden in Christ. We want to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. But, But if people are really watching us express ourselves on a wave, What they're going to see is the wave. They're going to see the beauty and the power of the wave. If we are really moving and abiding in the Holy Spirit, people are going to see the Holy Spirit. People are going to see Jesus. Jesus said, my peace I live with you, my peace I breathe upon you. And he breathed upon them the Holy Spirit. In Hawaii, we know the meaning of aloha. It means to give breath. May the Holy Spirit aloha you. This is Bear Wozniak. Aloha. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Find out more at deepadventure.com. 
Eastertide is filled with great joy and fervent prayer at Mater Dei Radio. During this special time in the church, join us in the celebration of our Lord's glorious resurrection through our three daily broadcasts of the Holy Mass, the seasonal Regina Chaley prayer for the Queen of Heaven, the sacred mysteries of the Rosary, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and inspiring Eastertide reflections. We also rejoice in praying for your specific intentions on Mater Dei Radio's prayer hotline. Just call 503-285-3737. That's 503-285-3737. Or fill out your personal request on the prayer page at materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary Media app. Our dedicated team will start praying for you right away. Experience the great joy of Eastertide and unite with us in prayer as we lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary at Mater Dei Radio. Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Day Radio. Well, Scott, there are candy wrappers scattered around our house. There is Easter baskets that were filled with sweetness and now the uh, the remnants of that enjoyment being left all over. The Easter season is upon us. We get to celebrate Easter for a long time, too. This is not just a single event. Boy, it lasts all the way into Pentecost. In fact, the celebrations from last weekend, well, it wasn't just one time. It began on Holy Thursday. We moved to Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and of course, the Easter Sunday celebration. So I thought on today's show, we'd talk a little bit about what that was like for us as a deacon couple and what it was like Well, to start it at a new parish, your new assignment at Holy Redeemer Catholic Church in Vancouver, Washington. So you were at church a lot this week. And let's start with Holy Thursday. This was a first time opportunity for you. And boy, as a wife of a deacon watching what was happening from the pew, I'd never seen it before in all the years of your ordination, the washing of the feet. Let our listeners in on what happened at our parish. Yeah, you know, that's it. It's been 15 years of being at St. Joseph prior to this and experiencing this uh, awesome event of of Holy Thursday that really roots us in the servant mindset, really roots us in Christ's call to diaconia, to to serve. And as a deacon, it's a particularly special time because I recognize what the priest's role is and what the deacon's role is in assisting the priest in carrying out the priest's responsibility. And so there's a great multitude of connections of value to me as a deacon. And this year, though, I was able to serve that, as you said, over at Holy Redeemer for the first time with Father Nathy. And I'm just so thrilled to be there at that parish and working with Father Nathy. And he's been so inviting and supportive of, of my diaconate. And he invited me to share in the washing of the feet this year. Uh, that was the first time in my diaconate that I've actually taken part in that that ritual action, and it was just fantastic. Some of the people's feet that I washed, they were their candidates who are now they're neophytes now in the Catholic Church. They came in on Easter uh, vigil on Saturday, but to wash their feet and look into their eyes, and then to be there with their baptism and the fullness of the sacraments they received at Easter. Uh, vigil was just 
the connection was phenomenal for me, just phenomenal. I just, I, I was thanking God so much to be able to share in that servant heart that mm-hmm. Jesus wants all of us to represent, but we do so most poignantly in that action we do on Holy Thursday. Well, you had left for practice uh, earlier before I did, and so I didn't see you before Mass, so I'm sitting in the pews with our daughter and watching everything happen, and I was like, wow, I was so surprised because, as you said, I would not done that before, and I'd not seen you do that, and boy, my heart was full of joy to, to see you to be able to participate in that way. And of course, as we moved on to the next day, Good Friday, the passion of the Lord, the veneration of the cross, when uh, we entered into the continuation of Holy Thursday, it's all one liturgy, really, from Holy Thursday to the Easter Vigil. Well, the veneration of the cross was an incredible moment uh, and quite a feat for the facilities manager there at Holy Redeemer. The main crucifix that hangs above the altar, well, it had been moved now, and that was the cross to venerate. Tell people about the two screws in the tile that you didn't know what was <laughs> its use was until that evening. Isn't that something when you walk into a place and you see something like like that, two screws and a tile in a church, you're like, well, I wonder what that's for. Like, is did that tile break or is that something that is that anchoring something? Um, so I looked at this this tile for since I've been there for this last year. And and actually, Father uses it as a key point to orient all of the altar servers and says, line up. On the on the tile with two two screws, line up two tiles ahead of the tile with two screws, and so he's using this as a as an orientation point. Uh, well, this year when I walked in at this uh, Good Friday, I saw the cross that sits up behind the altar. Great big cross uh, had been brought down and set in front of the altar, and the base of the cross is bolted into those two screws in the tile so that the cross doesn't move. Phenomenal. I mean, just things that uh, I had taken for, for granted, for lack of a better term. Suddenly I realized the the, the value of, of that for this great gathering. And it allows the beauty of this. I loved this. Good Friday is is another tremendous celebration for clergy in, in particular, in that it's the time that we remember committing ourselves on our ordination day to the Lord. And so we lay prostrate in front of the altar. Father and I uh, did that. I did that for many years with Father Gary over at St. Joseph. It's just beautiful. And then at St. Joseph, I would bring in a cross that we would carry in and then lay down. In this case, this was the cross come down. I'd never seen that before. It was very powerful, very powerful to see. And uh, it allows, uh, we had six people at a time coming up to venerate the cross and Boy, those altar servers, they were working fast and furious to to clean clean as people kissed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. What was incredible, too, is the number of people who were in mm. attendance. And it did seem like across the country, I think so many people were ready to honor and celebrate this triduum standing room only in so many parishes and Holy Redeemer being one of those to venerate the cross. And of course, that Good Friday celebration will lead us to the liturgy of of all liturgies. Again, that continuation 
on Holy Saturday. I'm sorry to say that I uh, had chosen to stay home. It is a late night because, uh, as you said, those candidates are coming into church. There are many readings. There is the new Paschal candle that is brought in, of course, that beautiful exalted. So and my thought with you know the events that we were going to do for the next day on Easter, I was going to stay home, but I was going to watch the live stream. Uh, from home and as I go to turn it on I realize that in this particular case it was not being aired for our church so I did watch it through St. Joseph's live stream but boy I was able to catch a little piece of it somebody had recorded online that beautiful exalted that you chant as a deacon let our listeners know what that holy Saturday is like for you yeah, we, we certainly, that's the day that we have the longest practice for in preparation for all the parts and pieces that go into that. And if if uh, listeners have never been to uh, an Easter vigil, it is just uh, every bell and whistle the, the church has comes out on that night, as it should. It's the, it's the highest, the holiest night of the year as we remember Christ's sacrifice and his rising from that grave and connecting that with the new uh, folks coming in who are catechumens and candidates, catechumens who are coming in fully receiving baptism and all of the sacraments and candidates who are uh, titled candidates that they've, they've received their baptism in another denomination and are coming in fully into the Catholic faith, receiving um, their first confession, their first Holy Communion and confirmation. It's just it's just everything that we can do as a Catholic community comes together in that moment. And it takes a very conscientious mind from all of those who are participating, particularly those who are serving, to really focus on this about two and a half to three hour uh, gathering. And for Catholics, we're not so good at mm. that necessarily here in the United States of having long masses. So it is a marathon for many folks. And uh, and I, I don't hold anybody to account that they can't make it through there or if they fall asleep in the pew. Um, but it's beautiful. And this year we had just another great turnout for all of these new uh, Catholics now that uh, they came in support of them. And it's just a great I wish more people would come to it. But uh, but just wonderful connection, as I said, to beginning on Holy Thursday with the washing of the feet to see people that. I've seen over the year come in fully and so joyful, so joyful. Well, for so many who do attend that Easter Triduum, well, that actually is the Sunday obligation. So they weren't under any obligation to attend on Easter Sunday, but we do see so many of them. Well, they show up the next morning. It's Easter mm-hmm. Sunday. We got up early, even though you had a late night. We were joined by uh, Nana that uh, has been part of our family for so many years. We went to early mass. And a, another first since the time <laughs> of your ordination, we sat together. That's not typical thing that you do, but a beautiful Easter celebration with all of us together. Uh, why did you decide to not serve and sit with the family? It weighed heavy in my heart that I, I have for 17 years and in, in the years prior to my ordination, even uh, I, as I was going through formation, I served on the altar. And so it had been 17, 18 years since I'd actually sat with a family at an Easter service. And I thought, you know, 
this would be a good time before the family all um, disperses into their into their lives as we have all of our children that are young adults now. And so, uh, and to be with you again. And it was just great. Oh my goodness. I just, I just cried as I, I sat there with such appreciation and joy uh, to be with this community and everyone's turning around and looking at us like wondering, why are you here? Deacon? But they accepted. And when I explained it to them, they, they just, they so appreciated that. So it's kind of the Deacon's uh, dilemma Mm-hmm. Beautifully as it as it may be that that we sit in this in between, where uh, we, we have such a connection to the community with our family, and I just wanted to represent that this first year, full year that I've been at uh, Holy Redeemer. So from this point forward, I'll be serving at the masses, but just a great a great gift that uh, Father Nathy uh, gave me to to do that. Not that he would require me; he's a gentle, <laughs> gentle man, but but just a great gift. Oh, and the Easter season is a gift for all of us. As I said in the show, we get to be in the Easter season all the way to Pentecost. So many wonderful celebrations that happen also between Easter and Pentecost. Of course, we have the ascension of the Lord uh, leading up to that, to the descent of the Holy Spirit. Pope St. John Paul II, well, he was the Pope of our upbringing. For so many years, his papacy influenced our lives and our marriage and the raising of our own children. And if not for him, we may not even have this opportunity to celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday. That beautiful diary written by St. Faustina is a gift to all of us. And now we're coming up. It's the gift for the world to have through Pope St. John Paul II, Divine Mercy Sunday. Many of you who recall uh, his papacy, he, he had suffered that, that terrible shooting. And in his recovery during that shooting that he, he experienced, he found the books, the, the diary of St. Faustina, and he read through them. And in his reading through them, uh, it came to just rest heavy with him that this needs to be brought to the world correctly. It needs to mm-hmm. be brought more fully because it because that her diary had been brought forward and then it was suppressed in the in the fifties and the sixties um, by the Vatican um, and he brought her forward and had it not been I just am amazed at God's uh, care for us that you know he makes good of what this terrible event could have done it could have killed the Pope. But he survives. And in his recovery, he lifts up something that is so powerful uh, in in its presence as divine mercy that St. Faustina was given. And also in that, he shows divine mercy by inviting the prisoner to his hospital room so he can pray and speak to him and forgive him and pour mercy upon this man who tried to kill him. All of that connection comes into this this point at which we're going to celebrate this Sunday on Divine Mercy Sunday. So it's just all that beautiful connection of the hardship, of the recovery, and of the perseverance and the reality now that we celebrate this. When people think of this Sunday, to keep all that in the in the forefront of their mind that the Lord seeks to have this recognized so beautifully. Mm. You know, that beautiful devotion, that divine mercy chaplet that we pray, it was the chaplet I was praying that somebody said, pray this for your father-in-law as he lay on his deathbed. He'll not know the fires of hell and will be entered into heaven. 
those are such powerful gifts that we have. And to be able to pray that Divine Mercy Chaplet, well, we pray it every day here at Mater Day Radio. It's just part of, again, that gift that the church gives us. We're all in need of mercy. There's not a day that goes by that I just like, oh, Lord, I, I need you at this moment. And that mercy will just pour it out upon us, that beautiful, beautiful gift. And to highlight that even uh, more so, and you've shared this before with the community, when our third daughter had gone through her great suffering of the burst appendix mm-hmm. and the challenge it had uh, almost taking her life. And in the day that they operated and they, the operating room doors closed, they closed at 3 p.m. in the That's afternoon. Right. And you and I prayed a Divine Mercy Chaplet for our daughter and mercy was given. It was just 15 minutes after those doors shut that they came out and said, incredible. But your daughter is going to be just fine. So we have such, together, you and I and our family have such a a great connection and devotion to Divine Mercy Chaplet and and to St. Faustina for her witness of this and her risk to witness this. I want to read a a section from St. Faustina's diary. It says, my daughter, tell the whole world about my inconceivable mercy. I desire that the Feast of Mercy be a refuge and shelter for all souls, and especially for poor sinners. The Lord came to her to institute this, and even in our great abilities as church to bring forward God's truth, this somehow got set to the back burner, and were it not again for St. John Paul II, it may have been lost. And what a great gift it is for us. So constantly trying to be mindful of never give up on mm-hmm. yourself because God has not given up on you. Oh, absolutely. Scott, before we go today, please end us in prayer. Lord, in your mercy that you pour out for us this unfathomable divine mercy, as you stated to St. Faustina in that beautiful prayer we pray in the chaplain, help us to Remain hopeful this Easter week that we celebrate these days with great joy that you have been victorious over death. You have been victorious over Satan's work in this world. Help us to trust that with all of our heart, to surrender to that as St. Paul and the apostles did, as St. Peter did. Help us to live this life more fully because of your divine mercy given to us. We ask this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless. Have a great Easter week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at materdayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Monterey Radio in Portland, Oregon.